0: Good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. Uh, my name is Dave Everett. My wife Sherry will be joining us. And we just have a little bit of a late start today, so uh, we apologize for that. But we'll just uh, we'll make it up at the end. So uh, anyway, uh, so we'll get a full hour in here. Anyway, we're going to be doing a Bible study tonight, effortless change by Andrew Womack. We'll be in chapter 14 again tonight, and we'll get there. We're we'll going to be talking about persecution again. And in light of uh, the, the, the parable of the sower, we'll, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Just so you know, all of our teachings and Bible studies are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their tithes and offerings. And just so you know, you can do that, you can go to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, go to our give page, and you can give online if you would like to. Use. To you mail your uh, contributions to us, you can do so on the foot of every page. Uh, we have our mailing address, so and you can make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. So anyway, we appreciate you doing that, and so it helps us keep this uh, these Bible studies live and and do everything what we're doing to bring the gospel to you. Uh, so I, like I said, we're going to be in chapter 14 again tonight, talking about persecution and. You know, we're talking about what the book of it must change. We're talking about the parable of the sower, and the parable of the sower you're going to find in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, three the three synoptic gospels. And Jesus said, "With this parable, this is the parable of all parables. Um, if you don't understand this parable, you can't understand any of the parables. And in this parable, we have to see God's word being sown on four different kinds of soil." And all kinds of soil heard all four types of soil heard the word of God, but only one understood the word. Uh, and so, uh, where does persecution come in? Well, one the second seed, the seed that uh, seed that fell on the, the thorny soil or no stony soil, uh, you know, they shrink back because of persecution and hardship. Uh, uh, actually, yeah, another word being used there. Um, Affliction, and so hardship and affliction. Let me just read the verse as uh, Mark four seventeen. No root in themselves, and no. I'm and, uh, sorry. Let me start over. No root in themselves, and and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word, for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. So we're not only really talking about persecution, but we're also talking about. Offense. And so, uh, and I believe we're going to have a chapter just on that. If I'm not mistaken, I could be mistaken. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm not seeing the chapter on offense, so I'm thinking of a different book. But anyway, but offense is another of thing, too. You know, we talked about persecution, how there's different kinds of persecution. You know, there's the ultimate, what I believe is called martyrdom, where you lose your life and uh, whatnot, and you're also abused, imprisoned, and uh, uh, this is what I consider consider severe (coughs) persecution, but there's also persecution of rejection by family members, by loved ones, by friends, by society, Uh, and so there's different levels of uh, persecution. Here in the West, we haven't really seen a lot of severe persecution, like maybe some of the countries where some of you live, Uh, but uh, we have seen it. We, I think, many of us have seen it to a certain degree. Uh, Paul says in Timothy, I forget the reference, but uh, all who desire to live godly will uh, suffer persecution. Another way of interpreting that: if you're not living, if you're not suffering persecution, perhaps you're not living godly. Or actually, the scripture goes, "Those are all who desire to live godly." Sometimes we just have, we, we are just rejected by society. Because we desire to live down. Now that type of persecution is increasing in our country here in the West. And actually uh, for most of the world that's the case. And so anyway, so we're talking about persecution. We're talking about also affliction. And uh, because of affliction and persecution, when it arises, many people uh, just give up because they've been offended. And we have not been redeemed from persecution. We've been redeemed from a lot of things. Uh, through the cross, but we have not been redeemed from persecution, and uh, you know we can't just quit because we are offended. Uh, we need to be rooted and grounded in God's word, and so and one of the keys to be rooted and grounded, grounded in God's word is understanding God's word, and that's what we get through discipleship. Okay. Anyway, uh, we'll get into that, and then the section heading we're going to be in the night or start off tonight, and under in chapter fourteen is entitled "Not Your Revelation." So we'll explain that in just a moment. But before we go there, uh, Sherry, have anything to start off with?
1: You know, I know we started last uh, Sunday talking about persecution. And Dave, you know, you just heard Dave. And obviously Andrew's going to be going in it. And I know it can be a tender subject, uh, to put it mildly, for some people. But I, I just felt like sharing a verse to encourage anyone going through persecution in Second Corinthians four, uh, verse eight, and well, I'll go through verse. I'll go for, through uh, verse eight through eleven for Second Corinthians four. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. I'm not saying persecution is easy. Uh, If I could, I'd run the opposite direction and take all of you with me who are being persecuted. But uh, I just feel like, even though as hard as persecution can be, uh, and I granted I don't get what some of you are going through because I'm not there with you, but Jesus has a way, and He, uh, even Paul who went through uh, a lot, um, there, there's always hope. There's always I mean, he he said it so well in that verse that even though this all is happening, you're not destroyed. We are not destroyed. We are not... in um, Again, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And uh, it's just a reminder that Even with all you're going through, if you are being persecuted, uh, we have the victory in Christ. Uh, It is through the blood of Jesus and our testimony that we are victors. And I I didn't quite quote the the verse in Revelation perfectly, but uh, you're not alone. You are definitely not forsaken. Um, So stand strong, stand firm.
0: Okay, well, once get so here, let's go ahead and get, uh, just started here with not your revelation.
1: This happens so often, and this is Andrew speaking, and he was, uh, he had started a, a story about him going to hear a, a speaker, Kenneth Copeland, uh, and get encouraged and then go back and minister, but then he would, he would get discouraged by, uh, the criticism that he was he was getting from his church but but he goes on to say this happened so often that I began to recognize the cycle I would hear Kenneth Copeland speak and be okay for a week or two then I'd get to where I was trying to say and do the same things I had witnessed of Kenneth Copeland but just wasn't getting results so I'd have to go back and get my next Kenneth Copeland fix this happened on a constant basis when I began to see myself start running out of steam I knew that the next time I got up to teach just wasn't going to be as powerful as it was before. I got to where I expected this cycle. I didn't understand why it was happening, but I saw it happen so many times that I could recognize it coming. As I was studying this verse of scripture, the Lord spoke to me. He said, the problem is that the truths you are saying aren't your revelation. They're Kenneth Copeland's. You're simply saying things that you've heard somebody else say. Before God spoke this to me, I'd get up and teach saying, I heard this man Kenneth Copeland say, and I'd quote him. I'd talk about what he taught using his examples, his illustrations, and his jokes. People were being blessed by it because I was sharing the truth. It just wasn't my truth. When the Lord showed this to me, a light switched on inside me. I realized that this was why I wasn't able to maintain and keep equilibrium. This was why I was up and down, sometimes excited about the word, and other times wondering, what's going on? It was because I didn't have root in myself. I was living off another person's revelation. It was a good revelation, but it wasn't mine. I remember this Saturday night when the Lord showed this to Jamie and me. I discussed it with her, decided, and declared, From now on, I'm not going to say so-and-so said or quote somebody else and tell people about what their revelation is. As a matter of fact, you may watch my television program, listen by radio or read my books, but this is the first time you've ever heard or seen me mention someone like Kenneth Copeland in this way. Really, I'm just speaking of him by way of testimony. That's because I totally got away from quoting what somebody else had to say. From that point on, God's word started becoming personal to me. I made a decision that I would stand no matter I'm sorry. I made a decision that I would stand no matter who came against the revelation that God had been speaking to me. I was going to keep that word in my heart. I was going to get it rooted and grounded on the inside of me. Mark 4:17 really ministered to me when I saw that the afflictions and persecutions I experienced come For the word's sake they don't because of you or me personally it's because of the word the word of God has power in it when you start speaking the word God uses his word to bring conviction to people the word starts pressuring and motivating them to change if the person doesn't want to change then they have to do something with this conviction that they're feeling which they perceive as coming from you They may not mentally be able to separate this conviction and understand it, but this is really what's happening. They may think it's you they're upset with, and so it's you they're criticizing, but what they're really doing is criticizing God's word that is coming through you. It's because of the word's sake that affliction and persecution come. People are trying to resist and nullify this word that you've spoken. That's brought conviction into their life.
0: Okay. I want to piggyback on a couple of things here we're going to talk about. We're talking about the parable of the sower. And one of the parts about the parable of the sower is that you know, we got four, uh, one seed being planted in four different kinds of soil. But only, I, I already mentioned how the, the seed that fell in the goose soil is the only seed that they not only heard it, but they also understood it. All four soils heard the word, but only one understood it. The one I understood it also had a root system. What we're seeing in the other three different kinds of soil is that there was no root system. And Andrew was uh, given a testimony, which is very similar to mine in one regard. When I first started getting the revelation that I'm teaching now, in many different ways on Sunday morning and during our Bible studies, and this was in the season between 2009 and 2013. <coughs> More so around 2009 ish is what I'm talking about at the beginning. I began to get some revelations about grace, about righteousness, about uh, the kingdom of God, about the gospel. And a lot of it came from Andrew Womack, and a lot of it came from Joseph Prince. I to mention at least two. And now, by now, I've heard it through hundreds of different teachers. That, excuse me, I like. But at the beginning, Andrew when, when Andrew began to get the revelation he had, he began to quote, and because he got it from Kenneth Copeland, he began to quote Kenneth Copeland. And when he went back to his church to go teach on that matter, he got persecution uh, in a mild form, but still persecution, rejection of the message and criticism towards him. And more, uh, as he pointed out towards the end of the session, Sherry read, The criticism wasn't really towards Andrew, it was the conviction of the heart against uh, what he was teaching. At the same point in time, when Andrew began to get this criticism, he began to shrink back because it was a form of affliction and persecution. And because he didn't have the root system in himself, he didn't have a revelation himself about these things, there was no root system in this doctrine for himself. All he had was another man's teaching, even though the teaching was good, it was still another man's teaching. And there was, there was no root system. And I also realized that too, back in 2009 ish, uh, in that season, that I was quoting uh, Andrew Womack, Joseph Prince, and others. Okay, And it's not that they were wrong, but I didn't have a root system in myself. And so there was a season there where I put, even put Andrew Womack and Joseph Prince and others on the shelf for a season, not because I disagreed with them, but because I went to the Word of God to search these things for myself. They have taught me enough where I can take some of the truth that they taught me and search the scriptures. And I did. And I took a, 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 a very in-depth study of, of searching the scriptures. Now when I teach, and I teach on Sunday mornings, and we teach now, and, and I've actually started writing a few books. When I teach now, I'm teaching not because Andrew said it. I'm not teaching because Joseph Prince or someone else taught it. I'm teaching because I am grounded in the Word of God myself. In a a few weeks, uh, uh, I'm on a teaching right now talking about the four prayers of Paul. (coughs) And when I'm done with that series, I'm going to be talking about being established in righteousness. Being established in righteousness is one of my core teachings that I've gotten in uh, Revelation of since 2009. And when we started this church seven years ago, I spent almost a whole year, the first year, teaching on righteousness. Because I told God during that season when I was getting revelation. Because at the time I wasn't in ministry, I said, "If you can help me get back in ministry, I will teach on righteousness." (coughs) Excuse me, righteousness changed my life. Right? I had a revelation growing up, not and I had. Let me rephrase that. I had a revelation growing up that righteousness was was right doing, not uh, and right standing with God. I I treated righteousness as a verb and not a noun. The, the word righteousness is a noun, when I got the revelation now. Now, when I say I grew up that way, it's not because my parents taught that, or my pastors, because I have had a conversation with both, and, and they said that they weren't teaching that. But somewhere down the line, I don't know where I got it, but I got it in my thinker, and I had a revelation, it was a bad revelation, it was a false revelation, but I had a revelation that I, my righteousness was based on what I did, not what he did. And because that, my whole life, my, my whole doctrine was based on that. And when I went into ministry at in the beginning, I used to teach along those lines. Because that was my foundation. But when I got a revelation of righteousness, and I'm going to be teaching on this uh, uh, coming October, uh, it just it revolutionized my life. It revolutionized everything. And for the first time, I felt like I heard the gospel. It even says in Romans 1, 16, 17, that the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. So if I had a misconstrued... Teaching on righteousness, I had a misconstrued teaching on the gospel. And so, uh, it revolutionized my life. And a lot of people got a revelation of grace, and my, and I, I did too, to a certain degree, but my, most of my revelation was on righteousness. And I can actually, uh, they're very compatible, grace and righteousness, but my revelation was on righteousness. And righteous, I even had some addictions at the time, and it was the revelation of righteousness that set me free. And, uh, yeah, I was a pastor, and I had some addictions, and that wasn't good, but I couldn't break them. But it was when I got a revelation of righteousness, it broke those addictions. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty-four, Awake to righteousness and sin not. It doesn't say sin not to become righteous. It says, no, awake to your righteousness and you'll sin not. It says in Psalm 89 that righteousness and truth are the foundation of from It's a Foundation. <coughs> foundation. Uh, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 5 and going on to Hebrews 6 he says righteousness is about is the elementary teachings and when we think about elementary we think that's just baby talk but no if you don't you know in school uh, you learn elementary before you learn junior high high school and college okay if you don't understand the elementary teachings in school you're going to have a very tough time in junior high high school and college level because it's all the upper level of teaching is based on the principle that you learned in elementary teachings. You have to excel in elementary school before you can excel in a higher education. It just won't work that way. And so unless you understand righteousness, you don't understand anything, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And so, um, righteous, but I began to teach righteousness not because I was teaching someone else's doctrine. I was teaching it because I had a revelation myself. I was grounded in rooted in God's word myself on it, and it's my primary teaching, you know, it gets me fired up when people t- teach about it in a good way, of course, when they teach it in a bad way, it gets me fired up in a, in a, in a negative way, because I'm just like, that's not gospel, that's not true, that's a bunch of junk, and so, uh, and so, it, it, you know, and you're not going to persuade me any other way about righteousness, because I'm rooted and grounded in God's word on the subject, okay, and so... It's my favorite teaching. But I have some other favorites that are, that, that are runner-up. But that's my, that's my primary one. Because everything we teach here is based on the revelation of righteousness. If we don't have the foundation right, everything anything we teach here is going to be off-base. And so we, we get the foundations wrong. So anyway, I'm trying to piggyback on Andrew's, you know, uh, his story. Because his story is very similar to mine in many regards. But at the same point in time, we're talking about the parable of the sower. Hey, we're talking about the seed that fell on the, the soil where, when when uh, affliction and persecution arose, that uh, how do I say it again? Uh, when persecution arises for the worst sake, immediately they were offended, you know. And you can't get can me offended if, you, if uh, regarding righteousness, you can in a sense that I'm just if you're not teaching the right doctrine, I'm not going to believe you, <laughs> but you know, I'm not going to be offended at you. I'm going to be. And actually, I'm going to be sorry for you because I, I get it. I was there. I used to teach it wrong, too. I mean, I used to teach it wrong so much that I, I, I filled up uh, a bunch of big, large trash cans full of all my prior teachings and notes and tapes and whatnot, and I threw them all away. Because I'm like, uh, I'm preaching the wrong message because I believe the wrong message. And I don't want anyone to hear this. So I have tons of messages in my early years of ministry that I, I wanted to call back. And so I uh, I did, and I have I, mean, well, I can't call back from everyone who's who's heard them and received them and have them on tape, but I can receive. I can do my part from my end, and uh, it it was revolutionary to me. But the point I'm I'm trying to convey is not the revolution of it. It's uh, I got grounded and rooted in it, and when persecution or affliction arises on that subject, I'm I'm established. I don't I'm not preaching someone else's doctrine. I can preach my own. Uh, Revelation on this, based on Scripture, and I don't even in one sense I don't even need notes for this anymore. I can preach on righteousness without notes because I just I mean I've just been so rooted in the ground into that. Now I don't preach without the Word. I'm gonna I mean I can give you a I already told you there's over 512 scriptures on righteousness in the Old and New Testament primarily here, but uh, I can preach it from Genesis to Revelation on righteousness, and and I can speak hours on end on it, uh, just because I'm grounded and rooted in it. And you
1: know, Jesus, Andrew, Dave, myself, we aren't talking about persecution to scare you, or to discourage you, but it is there. It is out in this world. It's it, a fact. It's, a fact. Uh, it's very clear in John 10.10 10 that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he will try anything to keep the word of God from impacting the world. But there wouldn't be that much resistance if it wasn't the truth. And when you think about the original, uh, 12 disciples, uh, well, I'll say 11 because, because of of Judas, but after Jesus, uh, ascended, you know, before his death, they, they kind of waffled at times. They, they messed up, uh, denied Jesus different things. Um, they tried to, Uh, convinced Jesus a couple of them James and John to help them learn how to call fire down from heaven to destroy people and that wasn't Jesus's message you know they kind of tripped uh, in their walk with the Lord uh, that whole time of his discipling them yet after his death on the cross after he rose again and ascended on high They knew that what Jesus had taught them and what he did on the cross was the truth. And no matter what happened to them, no matter the persecution that came against them, they did not back down because the truth of Jesus Christ, of the gospel, is the most powerful, the most best, the most wonderful thing out there and to have a relationship with God, I mean they knew the power of the gospel. And so from the timid uh, for lack of better term, screwballs that they were uh, before the cross, after the cross, no matter what happened to them, no matter the persecution, they knew the truth and nothing was going to keep them from Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen again. And they preached the gospel. And if anyone has the argument that the Bible is not true, that that Jesus Christ is not the Son of God, that uh, yeah, that the Gospel is not true, one of the things that that uh, good Bible teachers, Bible uh, believing people help. Those who don't believe, they, they talk about how the disciples followed Jesus um, after that. No holds barred. And if it wasn't the truth, people don't wholeheartedly give themselves like that. And uh, hopefully you're, you're hearing my, my heart. Yes, persecution comes, but we have to remember because of the Bible, because of the Word of God, because of Jesus being raised from the dead and risen on high, we know who wins. We know the end of the story. We know that we have not only eternal life, but we have eternal life with God. And nothing can keep us from that. You know, even in, is it Romans 8, I believe, that says nothing can, that can separate us from the love of God. Uh, uh, let's just turn there real quick. And I know we'll get back to... While
0: she's going there, let me just add this in there. You know, um, we're not trying to scare you with persecution, but let me just say this. We are promised persecution. <laughs> you know, we are promised it will come. So uh, we don't want to be out
1: It is Romans 8, right? Okay, yeah. So, I'll start Romans 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors, through him who loved us for i am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus our lord you know just holding on to the the hope of glory which is christ jesus um You know Jesus is is not going to forsake us, and we are more than conquerors, even uh, when we go through persecution. I mean, look at all what the apostles went through, what Paul went through. Yet Paul counted it all dung. Uh, none of that that mattered. It was the the. To, to quote what was said about Jesus it was the joy set before him it you know he's not as Paul said he, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God um, uh, sorry I just lost the rest of that the verse uh, Romans 1
0: okay good stuff well let's go ahead and keep continuing the next section here is a revival or riot
1: Spoken in truth, the word of God will either bring a revival or a riot every time. That's what Jesus and the early apostles experienced, Acts 17, 6, 19, 1-41. Not everybody responded well to the Lord. When Jesus' disciples came to him and said, Don't you know that you're you offended these people? Jesus answered, Leave them alone. If they're of God, they'll get over it. Every tree that my father hasn't planted will be uprooted Matthew 15 12 through 14 Christ didn't take things personally whenever Jesus spoke he caused a revival or a riot his disciples did the same thing when they went out and ministered it's naive and incorrect for us to think that if we just walk in love that everybody will love us Matthew 10 16 to 42 Jesus warned if they persecuted me they'll persecute you You need to recognize that when you begin to stand on the word without compromise, it starts to release its power. When you begin to declare, this is what the word of God says, this is what I'm believing for, I don't care if it goes against our tradition or the way people have done things, this is what the word says. God's word will start putting pressure on people. Either they'll repent and love you for it, or they'll come out and criticize you because of it. Once I understood this, it made a huge difference in my life. It totally changed my expectation and enabled me to continue going on with God. When I began to get criticism, persecution, and affliction, I just recognized that this is what the Word of God will do. God's Word will divide and separate people. Matthew 10, 34-36 You know, I, uh, I usually let Dave speak, but... This section reminded me of something that that Dave has said uh, more than once, uh, quite a few times actually. And he said it's actually encouraging to get flack or get persecution because it means that we're speaking the truth. And I, you know that's a good way to think about it. Instead of getting discouraged and thinking people hate you or they're rejecting you or your message... You know, be reminded of what Andrew is saying here. Be reminded of uh, what I just shared about one of Dave's quotes. You know, uh, you know Andrew's Andrew saying if you're, if you're speaking the truth, if you're speaking God's word, persecution will come, but persecution, yeah, it feels like it's against you, but it's actually uh, aimed at God and His word. People are getting convicted. And they're taking it out of you because you're the easiest target. You're the messenger. You're the messenger. Uh, But like Dave said, we should be encouraged when we get uh, flack or persecution because it means we are speaking the truth. The devil's not going to come against you if if you're on his side. Going
0: in the same direction. If you're going
1: in the same direction as him. But he is going to give you flack if you're making a difference in the kingdom of, of God.
0: You know, Andrew Womack says in other teachings, you know, if you're not writing to the devil, perhaps you're going in the same direction. And so, uh, yeah, that's always true. You know, the gospel will, when you're preaching the truth, you will either cause a revival or a riot. That's just a matter of fact. And I have seen both happen in my life. I've seen that happen in other ministers' lives. You know, either people are going to embrace and uh, it's going to admonish them in good put to to good deeds based on what you teach and believe or they're going to be offended by the message and it happened to Jesus it happened with all the apostles it's happened with every pastor and teacher and uh, so you're not any different okay the key is that you're not being persecuted because you're done something stupid <laughs> you know we've seen people do uh, get things because get all kinds of flack because they've done something foolish. That's different. That's not persecution. That's called stability. <laughs> okay, uh, but uh, we, you know, um, and sometimes you can preach the wrong, me- right message, but the wrong way, you know. And so, and so there are sometimes, and sometimes we can react to people's persecution. And that, so, something that was actually, uh, even though it was a hurtful thing, it was still a good thing in a sense that you, know, you hadn't done anything wrong yet. But once you start, respond, some of us, once we start responding to the persecution, we just turned it into a bad thing. And now we just complicated and polluted uh, um, to the word I'm looking for, but we tainted uh, the message uh, because of our response. The message itself was actually pretty good until our flesh got in the way. And so that's happened too. But we are promised all, Jesus, all the apostles, Paul... Peter, James, John, they all promised that we would see persecution, okay? So, in one sense, if you're going to preach the gospel, if you're going to desire to live godly, then you're going to see persecution. Like I said, persecution is going to come in many different forms. Jesus also said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But Jesus also said, um, how do you say it? Behold, I have overcome the world, okay? And when we are grounded in, see, what this goes with the parable of When we are rooted and grounded in the seed of Christ, who we are in Christ, it doesn't matter what comes at us. I'm not saying it's pleasant. I'm not saying it's desirable. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. I'm not saying it's a, not a problem. But I'm saying if you are rooted in Christ, <coughs> no matter what the devil throws at you, that you are not going to be bent out of shape, offended, and, and um, uh, you know, you're not going to back down and you're not going to be so offended that you're just, your faith is just so shipwrecked. But if you are not grounded in God's word for yourself, when affliction and persecution comes, you are a train wreck ready to happen. And so you will quit, you will uh, shrivel back, and you, uh, you know, you might pout and cry and whine and kick and scream uh but you know you need and i'm not saying that we have to put up with everything i'm not saying we're just a doormat for people that's not what we're teaching but uh you know i thought when i started preaching the gospel i shared a little bit of my testimony when I ago uh to a certain degree i thought people would get excited about the hearing the gospel. And that was it. the furthest, furthest truth. There have been plenty of people through our ministry, a lot of you who listen every week and whatnot, are excited about hearing the gospel. But we have also seen <coughs> a bunch of junk, a bunch of persecution and, and and all kinds of stuff. Some of that persecution actually came because of gossip and rumor and people bought the story without finding the truth for themselves. And we've had a, a lot of that. We've had a lot of uh, undermining and, and people... Gossip and rumor going around, and so people believe the gossip, but without ever trying to find out if that gossip was true. And so, so then they judge just based on the gossip and not based on what's true. You know, that is a tethered way of persecution that the enemy had orchestrated, you know. Um, and some of this persecution I'm talking about started with a hate mail for people saying, if you don't stop preaching what you're preaching, we're going to turn everybody against you. Well, that's what they tried to do. And they succeeded to a certain level. But, you know, we were too rooted and grounded in Christ for us to stop. You know, it hurt. It hurt deep. But it didn't stop us. Okay? We didn't shrivel back. We had moments we were tempted to at times. But we were rooted and grounded in God's word. And so when that type of rejection and persecution and just pure evil came, we, uh, you know, we didn't... We we didn't we weren't shipwrecked, we were attacked, we were wounded in, in certain ways, but we were not devastated. So.
1: And that, you know, I get this is a very mild story compared to what others go through uh, that are even martyred for their faith. But. You know, Dave and I have shared our story of how we were raised in, in Christian homes, and both parents, both sides, uh, encouraged us to be in the Word of God and to read the Word of God for ourselves. And you know, we're we're so grateful, so thankful to the Lord for uh, having parents like we do. Uh, and. You know part I mean David and I love the Word of the Word of God and you know we've shared kind of our recent testimony uh, you know within the last however many years but I remember the first time something happened to me regarding my Christian faith Uh, I was in high school it was my senior year in high school my last year and I was very quiet about my faith I I never Back then, I was shy. I, I, I didn't know how to say boo to anybody. Um, I didn't know how to talk about my faith to my peers. And I remember an English class uh, it, that, you know, we would talk about different literature books and, and learn English uh, literature and different things. Well, that year, my teacher was teaching us poetry Uh, other works of literature and one of the examples of great literature that uh, was a big deal uh, was the Bible. The Bible isn't just considered something that Christians believe. It's considered a great work of literature. So he, uh, I don't know if my teacher believed or not at the time. I didn't know how to ask or anything, but he would ask questions about the Bible because in that section of the class you know we were studying the, the, the Bible very briefly but it was the Bible it was the Word of God and when he asked questions I was the only one I know the answer I know the I, would, I, I was there was one thing in school that I ever got excited over was that brief moment when we were talking about the Bible the Word of God and I answered every question I was excited I was it was so cool in school to to actually get to talk about the bible but that changed a lot of my peers opinion about me previously they could have cared less about me i could sad to say could care less about them when i was a teenager i was so oblivious on how to make friends i could care less what others thought about me i just i walked I just was in my own in my own dreamland, I guess. But that switched to switched for for uh, several of my peers, and just because I was excited about the Word of God, the only thing that I was excited about that that back then uh, they hated me, and they didn't persecute me like I was scared for my life. But they had no holds barred. Uh, they just, they didn't, they showed they did not like me. They would put trash in my in my, uh, school books and do, you know, piddly things like that uh, just because they, they hated me. And they even wrote a story about the whole entire class as seniors, what we would do outside of uh, school, like in our future. And in their story, they would say, you know, this person became a doctor and this person, you know, became a... Famous singer, or, you know, whatever they the fiction story was on each one of us uh, in yeah. our future and Everyone else it was great, but I was the only person in that story that they killed off and I was like, why are they hating me? What did I do? I never talk to them. I don't bully them I don't you know, what what is it and my uh, One of my few friends at the time um, I remember asking her, you know, what, what is this all about? You know, what did I do to offend them so bad that they just, uh, you know, I, I don't understand. And she said, well, I believe it's because you talked about the Bible and you showed that you were a Christian. And she, at the time, to my knowledge, uh, I don't know if she was a Christian or not a Christian. I know she had that time she had gone to church at times, I, but I could never tell if she was a believer. But she said, "Well, it's because you talked about God." You and I'm just like, how can that offend anybody? I was too young and naive to understand that speaking the truth, speaking God's truth, um, the enemy just wants to take you out. And granted, that was a very light form of hate and persecution, but that was my first taste of, of that happening in my life. And, uh, I, if I had known previous that English class, what would have happened, I still would have done it because you get talking about Bible or God with Dave and I, and that's our favorite subject. You can't get us to stop. You know, we love, we love the word of God. We love God and, and the gospel and it, it's our favorite thing. I mean, that's one reason why we're married because it just, it was our both of our hearts to encourage and disciple people and share the gospel. And, you know, I pleaded with God to have a godly husband and, and he brought Dave into my life. And um, I, I cannot see myself uh, live without God it's you know, one of the scariest things to me is anyone going to hell because God's not there and uh, To not have a relationship with God. I don't know how anyone can get through this life without God and um, I hope, Hopefully i my It's just an example of, of our lives, you know what we've shared I don't know if it'll help anybody but the thing is God loves you. He's never going to forsake you. Even when you're going through something, whether it be as uh, traumatic and as hard as persecution, they're really hating Jesus. They're really hating that God loves everyone. And, um, you know, stick to the truth. You know, hold hold fast because Jesus is holding fast
0: to you. All right, well, let's finish up the chapter. Uh, stay on track.
1: This same friend of mine, Joe, and if you remember when we started this chapter, I believe a week ago Sunday, Joe is the the one that kind of introduced uh, Andrew to, to Kenneth Copeland and he had worked with um, uh, Kenneth Copeland, so they, they kind of uh, influenced Andrew, but he says... This same friend of mine, Joe, really helped me get started in the ministry. He had a very powerful influence in my life. I remember attending one of his meetings in a hotel where he'd call me out in front of all the people in attendance. Joe gave me a prophecy that has helped me to this day, saying, I see you like a runner on a track. You're running around this track, and you're leading the pack. You're running the race and doing a great job. But the people in the grandstands are yelling at you. They're telling you that you're doing it all wrong. They're saying that you should be doing this and doing that. I see you getting off of the track, running up to the grandstands, and arguing with the spectators. Even if you win the argument, you're going to lose the race. Stay on track, get back in the race, forget the grandstands. When the Lord spoke that through Joe, it was so descriptive of where I was at the time. Since then, that's been a word that has kept me on track for almost 40 years. I'm not sure that I do everything perfectly. I'm still green and growing. I may be better five or ten years from now, should the Lord tarry, but the reason I am still running the race is because of scriptures and words like those Joe spoke to me, where God has shown me not to let the criticism of other people steal the word out of my heart. If I get offended and start to become gun-shy, To speak the truth because of what people have to say, the Word of God will cease performing and producing in my life. I made a decision almost 40 years ago that I wasn't going to let that happen. I've been trying to be bold and let the Word of God rule and dominate me rather than the opinions of man. It's now become a habit and a lifestyle for me. I am this way because of Scripture that has taken root and grown in my life. I may not be doing everything perfectly, but I'm moving in the right direction because of my conviction from the Word of God.
0: Amen. So you know, it's so easy to get off track of what God has called you to do, what God, who God has called you to be, because you're listening to all the criticism. And we were talking to someone today, you know, about ministry and just their life in general, and how they've been so wounded by. And it was a family member who wounded them. You know, and I'm not saying the wounds hurt, I'm not, especially when it gets, the wounds are actually more intense when it comes from loved ones and family and, and, uh, friends. But, you know what, we can't allow other people's criticism stop us from doing and being who God has called us to do and what God has called us to be, who God has called us to be, okay? When it all comes to an end, when it's all said and done, we dance before the audience of one, him. Okay. he's our Lord he's our king and it only matters what he thinks about us I understand how other people what they think about us can hurt we've been hurt by other people's uh, criticism more so their, their evil plots against us than their criticism Now has hurt us most especially when it came from those we thought were friends but, in the end of the day, that does not matter. What matters is what he thinks. And we need to be grounded in God's word so that offense and other people cannot steal the word out of our hearts. Okay? I know that there have been times in our lives, my life particularly, I can't speak for other people, but I can speak for me. There's been times, and time, even as a pastor, there's been God, the enemy has used people to offend me, to afflict me, to do evil, nothing but pure evil to me. For the purpose of stealing God's word out of my heart. And there have been times where I was tempted. There has been times I was tempted to quit pastoring. There were times I was willing to quit. I never have I was tempted to just deny the Lord or anything of that nature. But I have. There have been times where I was... I tempted to quit ministry because it was just too hard. And it was people were just being flat out mean. Okay. And these were people I thought were friends. But I can't be a victim. I can't, you know, I can't control people, but I can't control me. And what kept me going, even though I was hurt, was being rooted and grounded in who I was in Christ. I'm not saying it didn't it didn't shake me up I didn't say it was easy some of the stuff I'm, I'm implying right now is some of the worst stuff I've ever gone through in my life I have been treated better by when I was bullied and junior high for three years I was treated better by my bullies than I was by some people in the body of Christ it's hurt and it's hurt deeply okay and that is a horrible commentary I just said but I can't allow other people's junk and evil and malice to steal the word of God out of my heart. Okay, and so, and the only way that's going to that's gonna happen—one of the primary ways, according to the parable of the sower—that we're reading—and we're talking about effortless change—is to be grounded in God's word, being grounded in our relationship with God for ourselves. I can't be grounded in my parents' teaching. I can't be grounded in Andrew's teaching. I have to be grounded in the word of God for myself. My parents, loved ones, spouses can point me in the right direction. But I have to be grounded in God's word for myself. And I have to be aware that afflictions and persecution and offense may come. But woe through who they do come. Uh, The Bible says, I think it's Luke 17 verse 1. You know, and we are not promised that we won't be offended. We are not promised. We are actually promised we will have persecution and affliction. We are promised there will be tribulation in life. And where you know, people will hurt us. And the ones that hurt, you know, when, the, when people I don't know hurt me, it really doesn't affect me too much because I don't know them. But when people I trusted, when people I gave and gave and gave and poured out and poured out, they turn around and stab me in the back. You know that hurts and so it hurts deeply and but I can't allow that to shipwreck my faith and the thing that helped me from being shipwrecked is being grounded in God's Word and having my own relationship with God that's what preserved me and so then that seed continued to can produce 30 60 and a hundred versus me just shrinking back and not producing anything this ministry, me being able to reach you. We have over twelve hundred followers now on Facebook and YouTube and we are on different podcasts every week. And we would not be able to we would not have done any of these things if we had shrunk back, if I had shrunk back because of some of the junk people did and not, uh, towards us. Okay.
1: And you know, just uh, be encouraged because I mean, if, if you're, if you're following Jesus and, and you're his disciple and you are doing what he has called you to do. And in, please hear my heart. I'm not trying to be light about this. Yeah, you're going to get flack and persecution. And I'm, I'm not, I, I know I'm sounding like I'm being light on it. But be encouraged. Be, I mean, look at all are great examples in the Bible. They went through a lot. And you can start from the Old Testament and, and read all the way through to the New Testament to Revelation. Uh, what the apostles went through, what the early church went through. You know, I'm reminded of, of I forget which, I want to say it's Isaiah, but uh, I know it's one of the prophets. Uh, he was called into ministry as a prophet. And God said, yeah, I'm going to give you a word to share. But no one's gonna to listen to it and you know that's kind of discouraging but you know thankfully God gave him that that uh, that word up front uh, but we have that word today to, to be able to read and you know maybe at the time that prophet was just discouraged but we he didn't know was God was gonna immortalize his words to that prophet and the words that the, the Holy Spirit gave that prophet to share, maybe in his day wasn't heard, but it but it's heard today still. Um, even the prophet Samuel, um, in the in the day of Samuel before King David uh, was a anointed king, uh, people weren't listening to God, and when. Samuel's mom uh, dedicated Samuel to the Lord and he began to serve the Lord. The priest he was under, he was, he, that priest was letting his sons commit all kinds of, of sin and, and junk, uh, even in the, the Holy Temple. But when Samuel came on the, the scene and, and he was the vessel that God was going to use, Uh, God spoke to Samuel and even though it was going to be a hard word for the people to hear it needed to be said and Samuel didn't want to hurt you know the the priest uh, Eli's uh, and you know the, the people he didn't want to give them that hard word but it was the word of God in that day for that time for those people but he was used for for God, and I'm only bringing it up, not for us to build a doctrine on. Back, you know, in Samuel's day, all of the Word is God of God is uh, for instruction, for correction in righteousness. I'm quoting a verse that that David has preached on before, but I was just using it as an example that there there are times when. You know, we could be as like Paul and the different apostles being so persecuted and even martyred because of our faith in Christ. And yet there's times when you're you're used like in the Old Testament where you know God has needs a vessel to speak through and you're that vessel he chose, but people might not listen to you. And we're not to take that part to heart. We're to take hey if God says for you to do something, do it. And um, hopefully this is helping someone because I don't know why I went on that rabbit trail. Um, but but just be encouraged. I mean, Jesus, I think his words, uh, I have to look up the verse, but it specifically says that for the joy set before him, That Jesus endured the cross. And you know that. that We we talk about the cross. um, And we can say how difficult and horrible that death was. But we fully don't know at all that Jesus went through. Because we weren't. We're not Jesus. And just the weight of all the whole world's sin on him. Going through this horrible death Jesus endured that for the joy set before him the joy set before him was to be raised on high to be ascended to be at the right hand of God on the throne as the son of God as Lord yes but also so that he would have all of us have a right relationship with God Jesus wanted to be in heaven and reign, but he wanted us with him. That's why he endured the cross. That's why he endured it for the joy set before him because he loved us so much that he wanted us with him. So even though as Christians, we might be going through some hard things, even though we might be going through persecution, we need to be reminded uh, as Jesus for the joy set before us. We might be going through something horrible, But you don't know who is going to hear your words of life that God has spoken through you so that they may have a relationship with Jesus Christ too.
0: Well, we're out of time for tonight, so uh, we're going to wrap it up here and uh, we'll pick it up in chapter 15 next week. Uh, We will have a Bible study this Wednesday at 7 o'clock on the believer's authority. And then we have our Sunday morning message at 11.15 a.m. All this is specific Standard Time. And on Sunday morning, I'm teaching on the four prayers of Paul. Paul prayed more than four prayers, but I'm highlighting four specific prayers that Paul prayed that I've used in my life and ministry for uh, over 50 years. So, God bless you guys. Uh, have a great week, and we will see you on Wednesday.